Hey, I'm Christopher Schiefling, and this is Auscultation, a podcast in search of a humanities-based practice of healthcare. Thanks so much for joining. Today, we're listening to an excerpt from King Lear by William Shakespeare, the 17th century poet and playwright whose work includes a surprising range of detailed medical references, leading many to postulate that he must have had at least some medical training. As a geriatrician, I chose King Lear as the first of Shakespeare's writings to include on auscultation because it is a play about an aging monarch with dementia and his tense relationship with his daughters. In the first act, he decides to step back from power and divide his realm amongst his three daughters. When he feels slighted by his youngest and favorite daughter, he rashly disowns her. He then spends time living with his other daughters and lashes out at them when they attempt to limit his power. Just prior to the scene we will hear today, Lear has insulted both of his older daughters and has stormed out of his middle daughter's house into the night where a literal storm is raging, with no clear place for shelter. In this scene, Kent, a loyal advisor to Lear, is searching for the king in the wilderness, where he finds another one of Lear's attendants, who is simply called Gentleman. Excerpts from King Lear by William Shakespeare. The scene begins with Kent addressing the gentleman. Who's there besides foul weather? One minded like the weather, most unquietly. I know you. Where's the king? Contending with the fretful elements, bids the wind blow the earth into the sea or swell the curved waters above the main, that things might change or cease. Tears his white hair, which the impetuous blasts with eyeless rage catch in their fury and make nothing of. Strives in this little world of man to outscorn the to and fro conflicting wind and rain. This night, wherein the cub-drawn bear would couch, the lion and the belly-pinched wolf keep their fur dry. Unbonneted he runs and bids what will take all. But who is with him? None but the fool who labors to outjest his heart-struck injuries. Some thoughts on dementia. Throughout the play, there is ample evidence that Lear has dementia, though the exact variety of cognitive impairment continues to fuel debate. Even in this short passage, we see many symptoms of this diagnosis. First, he is not dressed for the rough weather, as, quote, unbonneted he runs. According to the FAST Dementia Scale, a tool for determining the stage of dementia, not putting on proper clothing for the season or occasion is a stage 5 out of 7. Often people with dementia will not dress for cold weather or will wear the same clothes for days and days. Second, he refuses to take shelter. While this could certainly be from his anger or from suicidal ideation, it also could be that he lacks the executive function to figure out how to find or make a shelter, since in the next scene, Kent takes Lear to a nearby hovel. Moreover, it could also be that he does not even recognize that he is cold, as many types of dementia have altered temperature perception. A bit later, when Kent urges him to seek shelter, Lear replies, My wits begin to turn. Come on, my boy, 
How dost my boy? Art cold? I am cold myself. It is almost as if he doesn't realize he himself is cold until he sees the fool shivering. Additionally, this outdoor trek is consistent with wandering, which is another common symptom of dementia, where people start walking or driving and then either forget their intended destination or get lost. More than half of people with dementia will wander at least once. This is particularly dangerous during the winter when, if they're not found quickly, they are at risk of hyperthermia, as is Lear in this passage. Finally, the gentleman refers to Lear's depression, which is a particularly common feature of dementia. We hear about his heart-strung injuries and how he tries to outscorn the weather. More concerning, though, the gentleman describes Lear's suicidal ideation. He reports that the king bids the wind blow the earth into the sea or swell the curled waters above the main that things might change or cease. While these apocalyptic wishes are more consistent with passive SI, the gentleman goes on to discuss the true threat of the weather. In a night where even the most ferocious animals, bear, lion, and wolf, would seek shelter, we hear that unbonded he runs and bids what will take all. Take all is the archaic expression of a gambler declaring that they uh, put all their money in on one bet, or the equivalent of today's expression, I'm all in. By phrasing it as what will take all, Shakespeare makes Lear's suicidal ideation a more active threat. Depression affects nearly half of people with dementia, which relates in part to the large impact that this illness has on a person's sense of self and independence. There may also be a biological basis for this increased prevalence, as the changes that drive cognitive impairment may also trigger the neuropathophysiology that dampens mood. Along these lines, suicidal ideation is more common in those with dementia, particularly right after receiving a diagnosis. While we can't know the rates of death by suicide during Shakespeare's day, and certainly not during Lear's day, but if they are similar to modern rates, as an older man, the king has one of the highest chances of dying by suicide. This makes it particularly urgent that Kent finds his lord. The rest of the play displays plenty of other symptoms of dementia. His rash disinheritance of his favorite daughter is an example of his impulsivity and may also convey paranoid delusions, both of which occur in dementia. Similarly, there are a number of places where Lear asks who his daughters are. While at times this seems to be more of a rhetorical question, criticizing his daughters for not acting like true daughters, at other times it is a clear sign that he does not recognize his children, indicating the severity of his dementia. The other characters also diagnose his cognitive impairment, which they refer to as dotage, the archaic term for dementia, the infirmity of his age, the unruly waywardness that infirm and colic years bring in his bereaved sense. At times, Lear himself recognizes his illness, saying, Pray, do not mock me. I am a very foolish old man. I fear I am not in my perfect mind. And he desperately pleads, Oh, let me not be mad, not mad, sweet heaven. This episode is brought to you by caregivers. At the bottom of the healthcare hierarchy, caregivers are in fact the cornerstone of patient care. Undervalued, underpaid, and undertrained, they are overworked and essential. 
They provide the daily necessities and 56000 per year per patient of unpaid labor. We've all heard praise for the movers and the shakers, but let's give a cheer for the givers and the carers. Some thoughts on the storm. As a common literary trope, the storm mirrors Alir's mental distress. More specifically, though, the storm takes on several emotions with, quote, fretful elements, impetuous blast with eyeless rage, fury, and conflicting wind and rain. This literary technique of attributing feelings to non-human entities is known as pathetic fallacy and is a type of personification. In this case, the precise emotions attributed to the storm match Lear's state of mind quite closely. In the acts leading up to this scene, he has never once been at ease, and he finds himself in conflict in every scene. His seemingly unwarranted outbursts are indeed impetuous and eyeless. What's more, Lear's own thoughts contradict themselves. For example, he changes his opinion of his daughters on a dime, and he wants to give away power to his daughters, but resents when they try to limit his authority. By linking Lear's emotional state to the stormy weather, Shakespeare creates an apt metaphor for the agitation and aggression that sometimes come with dementia. Just like thunderstorms, people with cognitive impairment can have fits of irritation that come and go with little warning. Similarly, if people with dementia become aggressive, it can be quite dangerous, particularly when older men are cared for by their frail wives. So while using the weather to amplify the mood is a common technique, Shakespeare's use of the storm in this scenario has the added brilliance of placing a magnifying glass on Lear's dementia. It both shows as evidence of his cognitive impairment, as mentioned previously, and also highlights the real danger that comes from his dementia to himself and those around him. Some thoughts on caregivers. Even in such a short passage, we see a variety of responses from potential caregivers. The gentleman appears to recently have been with the king, as he knows what he is doing in the storm and that he is alone with the fool. And it is easy to presume that he is minded like the weather most unquietly, as he puts it, because of the distress over Lear's actions. So why isn't he with the king? Has Lear also expelled the gentleman, just as he has done with other characters? Has he given up trying to help in face of Lear's stubbornness and inability to see reason? It can be rather challenging to assist persons with dementia, and when they refuse help and hurl insults like Lear, it is tempting, and sometimes even necessary, to step away. So while much of the play portrays Lear's older two daughters as villains, their exasperation with trying to care for their father and their attempts to control his outbursts gains them sympathy. Kent goes in the opposite direction of the gentleman. Early in the play, he is banished by Lear for trying to restrain his anger. Instead of leaving, though, Kent disguises himself so that he can return to the king's service. There is a deep wisdom in this turn in the plot, because caring for family and friends with dementia often requires letting go of how prior relationships were and developing new bonds. Holding on to old parent-child or spousal relationships can make the behaviors caused by dementia all the more distressing. In order to have a therapeutic relationship with Lear, Kent will not only need to change his physical appearance, his connection with the king will need to be quite different.
Subtlety and nimbleness are essential for this type of relationship with people with cognitive impairment. It is common that people with dementia can be persistent on doing something that is not safe or insist on beliefs that are not true. For example, trying to return home to a parent who has long been dead is a common urge. Telling them that their parent is dead and that they are in fact home will only lead to further agitation. So instead of reasoning, a more effective reply is to reflect that they must be missing their parents and to ask what their parent is like. Perhaps this is why the fool is able to remain with Lear because he labors to outjest his heartstruck injuries. This line speaks to a few key elements for supporting people with dementia. First, he addresses the emotions. When people no longer have the executive function to recognize and express their emotions, it often presents as agitation or other behaviors of dementia. So one of the better ways to approach agitation is to identify and address the emotional trigger of the behavior. Another key element is that outjesting speaks to the creativity that is often needed to redirect or comfort patients with dementia. And lastly, labor calls attention to the great work that this is. It is also fitting that Lear is left with none but the fool, because the marginalized status of the medieval jester and their lack of reimbursement is similar to today's caregivers, as we have heard about in episode 3 with Marquez's Love in the Time of Cholera. A cynical reading of the line, none but the fool, is that only a foolish person would stay with Lear. But a more generous reading, and the one I much prefer, is that only a person as quick-witted and convention-breaking as the jester can help Lear. Excerpts from King Lear by William Shakespeare. The scene begins with Kent addressing the gentleman. Who's there besides foul weather? One minded like the weather, most unquietly. I know you. Where's the king? Contending with the fretful elements, bids the wind blow the earth into the sea or swell the curved waters above the main, that things might change or cease. Tears his white hair, which the impetuous blasts with eyeless rage catch in their fury and make nothing of. Strives in this little world of man to outscorn the to and fro conflicting wind and rain. This night, wherein the cub-drawn bear would couch, the lion and the belly-pinched wolf keep their fur dry. Unbonneted he runs and bids what will take all. But who is with him? None but the fool who labors to outjest his heart-struck injuries. King Lear by William Shakespeare was published in 1608 and is now part of public domain. You can find show notes for this episode at anauscultation.wordpress.com and you can send comments, suggestions, and questions to the Twitter handle at anauscultation or to the email anauscultation at gmail.com. Auscultation is produced and recorded on the ancestral home of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, or share to help others find out about us too. Until next month, be kind and live the questions.